0: Welcome to the Kenneth K. Law Life and Leadership Podcast, designed to encourage and inspire. Let's listen to another great episode. Greetings, everyone. I'm Kenneth K. Law, and this is the Kenneth K. Law Life and Leadership Show. So I want you to take a moment. Let your friends know, let your family know, it's time to tune in now for another episode of the Kenneth K. Law Life and Leadership Show. And I want to thank you for tuning in today. We're going to pick up a little bit from last week's uh, teaching from environmental leadership. And I just want you to know, I really believe that today's show will definitely and uh, undoubtedly help you to grow in your life and within your leadership. And we're going to stress a few more things, a few more points about environmental leadership, some things that will help connect uh, last week's show. So if you didn't hear last week, you got to go back and hear it uh, so you can connect it to this week's show so you can continuously build and keep growing in your understanding of this concept and these principles that you can apply yourself and you can make happen right now in your leadership role, whether it's in ministry or in the marketplace. So let's dig into this. Let's jump into this moment and let's go forth to begin to understand environmental leadership. We're gonna look into digging down into this subject for at least the next few minutes. And I'm sure that many will gain an understanding on how to start back moving into some things, how to build that environment, how to develop that culture in your ministry, in your marketplace with your leaders, because those things are extremely important, culture, environment. I even talked about last week about having an actual ecosystem. And the definition of that was that an ecosystem uh, is a, a system or a group of interconnected elements formed by the interaction of a community of organisms with their environment, any system or network of interconnecting or and interacting parts as in a business. It is a collection of living things and the environment in which they live. So the point that I was making is that in any ministry or any marketplace, especially in leadership, there's always a culture, there's always an environment. And then most definitely is always an ecosystem. It is a system of how everything works together. And they all have to be in a particular order in order for things to flow. Nature has ecosystems. We deal with ecosystems every single day of days of our lives. We are surrounded by culture. We're surrounded by environment. And we'll always be surrounded by ecosystem. We are a part of ecosystems. And so when you begin to understand how everything has to work together, you begin to understand that how these things work together actually help form um, or cause problems for your culture and for your environment. So we're gonna dig down to some things about that because I also talked about last time about having making sure the people uh, that you have around that you're able to help and they are able to help to define your environment. They have to be able to define your environment and, and understanding what kind of environment do you have. You know, I know some people say, oh, it's just crazy around here. Well, that's a definition. But you have to be able to go even further. Why is it crazy? Why is it chaotic? Why is it offline? Why is it out of alignment? Why is it unproductive? Why do we have such turnover in our business? Why do we have such a big back door? In our ministry, why can't we hold on to leaders? Why can't we hold on to customers or members or whatever the case may be? All of those things—those are questions uh, that have to be asked in order to give you the answers to help you to understand what kind of environment or culture is is happening. What has been built? Because whatever the results you have, your system, your culture, your environment is already giving you that. That's what you have. If you want to change the results then you have to change the systems. And if you don't want, if you want to keep the same results, then keep in place what you presently have. Because what you presently have will consistently give you what you presently have in your hand, what you're dealing with, until you change it. If you don't want to change it, then do not complain (laughs) about what you have. Do not complain about mean ushers. Don't complain uh, about... Uh, just people being late people, whatever the case may be. If you want things to be a certain way, you have to build the system, create the culture and the environment that will give you that consistently and intentionally. You have to build what you want to see it, it will not happen randomly. It will not just fall in your lap. You have to build it. If you want to make bread, you have to build a bakery you can't want to make bread want to make bread but your company makes boats and then you complain why you're not getting bread your systems your company is not set up for that so we're going to go help you understand some things especially from a place of your environment but also with some people uh that are part of it i'm going to explain to you a little bit from my own personal experiences i want to and this is going to help you some with some things and help you answer some questions. So let's let's dig into this a little bit further. When you identify your your environment, you will now protect value and understand its worth and benefit. Let me say that again. When you identify your environment, you will now protect value and understand its worth and benefit. Now, let's circle back. Last week, I used Genesis 2 and 7, and it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in, in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Then in uh, go down a little further to verse 15. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So when I say, when you identify your environment, you will now protect value and understand its worth and benefit. It goes back to. The scripture that I read last week and just read to you just now, God makes Adam, but he puts him in an environment. He gives him a culture. He, The garden is his responsibility to tend and to keep it, but it's also for him to protect it, to value it, but also to understand its worth and its benefit. Well, of course, we know what happened to Adam and to Eve uh, about a chapter later. Uh, next chapter over, they're being evicted out of the garden, they they are being evicted out of the environment they're being put out. So my point to you is that you have to get to a place where you can identify your present environment and then protect it and then value it and understand its worth and its benefit so that it keeps doing what you need it to do. If it's being productive, If it is giving you high quality service, high quality excellence, if it's giving you um, high quality um, staffing, then we have to protect that. We got to value that. Then understand its worth and its benefit so we can be fruitful. We can multiply. We can expand the environment. We can spread the, the, the culture. We can grow it. We can keep going with it. And, and, and so because I, we understand what it is and it's producing, it has given us the results that we dreamed about, that we envisioned. So we keep growing it. We keep maturing it. We keep it under guard. We tend to it. We keep it. We protect it. We value it. And so that we can keep benefiting from it. So also, we have to develop leaders that can be placed in the environment to tend and keep it. We have to be willing to invest in leaders uh, and not assume that they know how to tend and keep the environment. One of the mistakes that I made, and, and I can share this next point, and this is really, if I don't say anything you hear, anything worth talking about or listening to in this, hear me in this point. Some leaders are not equipped to build. They are equipped to maintain and grow it. They're there to grow what's been built. Some leaders uh, um, uh, cannot handle the end-to-end processes of building out something. They don't have that grace. That's not their capacity. We have to be able to develop leaders who work best within a system. Some people thrive better in a set system. I want you to catch that some people thrive better in a set system not ones they have to create and build now let me tell you what happened to me some years ago some years ago uh when i began i knew some people and that worked in certain industries in the city and they did phenomenal jobs they built projects they knew all the softwares they knew how to put things together they were great project managers. Um, they were great producers of things. And so they were working for the church. They were volunteering and doing these things for the church because we needed those skills. We needed those that administration. We needed that kind of insight, You know that kind of uh, skill set. Well, I was always frustrated with them because everything they produced didn't really seem like it was up to par based on everything that I saw that they did, other places and for these companies, I was like, well, what's going on? And it was very frustrating. And so I was almost about to fuss at them and this went on for a while. Well, when I was about to walk out of my office one day, the Holy Spirit said this loud and clear. He says, they are not wired that way. No one was around. I wasn't even working on something I was just leaving my office. He says, and they are not wired that way. I instantly knew who he was talking about. This is what I I began to understand. There are some people that perform profoundly in systems that have already been drawn out for them. They thrive with things that are already set. They They just have a gift that can be plopped down in the middle of a thing. And then they work within the system that was already placed in them. See, I was trying to use their gift to help me build, but they didn't have the capacity to build. They had more so a capacity to maintain, to grow what was already established, which means I, I really had them out of place. I had them more in a builder's capacity. I had them more in a place of trying to be project manager, end-to-end process. But really, they were saying, I'm not a project manager. I'm a task manager. You have to give me task within your project. I'm not really graced to lead your project or build your project from start to finish But I can, I can work within the project, within the system. This is very important because in sometimes in ministries, we want people to perform and we want them to help with the vision and we want them to do all these things, but they will try, but it can cause a lot of frustration because they don't know how to communicate back to you that they don't know how to do it the way you're asking them to do it. They only know how to work within the system that's provided because at their job, they were hired to work in a system. They were not hired to build a system. They were not hired to create a culture. They were not hired to um, create an environment. They were hired to sustain what was already put in place. So, Once the projects came in for them at their jobs, they had, uh, they used their software. They used their resources. They They were sent to their classes to learn their way. And sometimes in the church, we see the gifts and we're excited about the anointing on their life, but then we get frustrated and we think they're trying to betray us. And we think they're lazy and all that stuff. But really in actuality, they don't function like that. They're not wired like that. They are not project managers. They're task managers. They do what's within the system. You need them to help you build a system because you're the visionary and you need help. So you're hoping they will stand alongside of you and help you build. But these people, the ones you've been going after, are really the ones who come in after you have built, after you've built rather, after you put some infrastructure in place, then you put them in the midst of the infrastructure and then they thrive. They can thrive maintaining your system. They just don't thrive building your system. And, and sometimes, so we have to uh, develop leaders who work best within a system. Because like I said, some people thrive better in a set system, not the ones that have to create and build so they waste energy and time when they try to create and they become frustrated and so do you and then what happens you you kind of can misplace a good person and and or misuse them because you didn't necessarily know how to apply their gift to uh this this vision you know you just know what you see and you know what you want to get done and you know what you, you know, what God said, you know, but they don't know all that information. They're just waiting on you to put some stuff together and then they'll run with it. And are all of them like that? Absolutely not. But you're going to come across more that work within the system, more than you do those that know how to build a system. You're going to, you you will come across a, a, a few project managers, but you will definitely encounter a lot of task managers, and so we have to, as visionaries, we have to discern when we're talking to a project manager or when we're talking to a task manager, when we're reading resumes or we are impressed so much by people's pedigree and their experiences, but please be mindful, a lot of those experiences come from systems that were already established, it didn't come from systems that they built. They were hired to tend and keep what was already there. So we have to be careful. We got to be discerning about that. Allow the Holy Spirit to show us and to help us to understand how do we um how do we put our teams together? And, and how do we not just put a whole lot of people on our team hoping they can build, where really they can only maintain. And then you're in the build phase. And you got these people uh, who are more in the maintain phase, which is maybe two or three phases later, but you got them in your first phase. So you're wondering why you can't get any traction. It's possible. They're good people, great people, wrong phase. You got the wrong grace in the wrong place. You might have to move them out of that place and put them down a few steps and then come back to them or let them shadow someone who can build, let them shadow someone who, who is already a project manager so then they can get an understanding of what's happening. So they, we got to understand that these leaders, they thrive in set and established systems and environments. Some leaders are builders, many are not. And those leaders are sustainers and keepers. They can maintain and expand the system you place them in, but they cannot create the system for you. We've carried, we've talked about that. We've talked about that. And so we have to develop leaders who work best within a system, work within that environment, and then they can protect it. It's hard to protect something when you really can't define it. It's going to be hard for them to protect it when, to protect the environment when they're frustrated with the environment. You know, we want them to protect the environment, but they are frustrated with the environment because they feel that their grace is out of place and it can cause a tear in relationships. It can cause a rift in your ministry and in your business because you got good people, great skills, great capacity, but they're in the wrong place with their grace and they might be in the wrong phase of the vision, they might be a uh, two vision, two phases later. They, they they could possibly be a little bit down the line. And, you know, once you get past the scaffolding of your vision, you know, seeing what it takes shape, getting past a couple of stages and then like, okay, I can use you here. And on this, and they're like, okay, I got you now because I see what you are building. I see what you're doing. I see what you're creating and I'm good. I could take it from here. So we, it's a tough, it was a tough, tough lesson for me to learn, but it was a necessary lesson because it taught me how not to be so excited about all these gifts and all these talents and all that stuff. That was nice. But if I didn't have a proper way to place them, it was going to be an epic fail for them, for me, and for the ministry. And it could be an epic fail for you, your business, your church, it can really crash and burn real quick. And then people leave with a sour taste when really they were just out of place. And and no one really could discern that. And and then emotions get into place and feelings and all that stuff. And then, you know, the enemy just runs crazy with it. So I want to encourage every pastor and every leader um, that's possibly listened to this that before you get frustrated, before you think they're against you, before you think they're, you know, they're sent from the enemy and they're lazy. Before you assess that, you know, go back and maybe, you know, do a reassessment of their placement. They may be out of place and they may be out of alignment. They may be a part of the plan, just not this part of the plan. And then it'll save you time, but it will also save you money. Especially if you're about to hire them and then in some form of, you know, the help you in the ministry from executive pastor and a CFO or whatever, or um uh, some kind of role that you need them in administratively, make sure you know where you are in your phase of building, in your phase of the vision, so that you can accurately hire, you can accurately build your team based on where you are and what you need going forward and then you can save you'll save money you'll save time you'll save frustration and you can keep your joy in place um as you keep moving forward so leaders have to be employees of the church's epa division let me explain that to you the environmental protection agency they they must protect the environment so it's important that you put the right people in place because just like our government has an EPA, uh, the, the Environmental Protection Agency, their goal is to what? Protect the environment. But they can only protect what they know it is, what they value it to be, and and they understand the benefits of why they're protecting it. When you have the right people in place and, and on your team, when you have the right people around you, they will become agents of the EPA. They will become your spiritual environmental protection agents. They will be those that now know how to um, keep, tend, maintain, sustain, um, because the Bible calls them sons. Sons help you to maintain. They help you to protect. They help you to value. They help you to grow, they help you to multiply. They help you to understand your vision even the more. Uh, they come alongside and they help your environment, your ecosystem, to get healthier, to maintain the right order and alignment, uh, so it keeps working right. Even help you to discern who needs to be on the team at this time, uh, because sometimes in ministry we really want to help people. We really want to do just a job of just getting everybody on board. But let me encourage you with this. Sometimes it's, we need to wait. We need to uh, not be so anxious because we see their gifts and because we see their talent and their skills. What we, I would suggest, and from my own experience that I learned the hard way from, is taking time to assess, to pray, uh, even Jesus went away. <laughs> he came back down. He Then he picked 12 apostles out of the multitude of disciples, which means many of the disciples were probably qualified, but those were not the ones needed at this moment, at this phase of ministry, of, of this certain time, point in the timeline. And so what will help is really in that place of prayer, in that timing of of, of just studying and assessing and evaluating, make sure that when you come to pick and to choose and to appoint, that you have an, a very acute understanding of where you are in the vision. Not so much where they are, where you are and what you need and what's your timeline. Where are you in the Vision timeline of of the things. Are you in year three of a five year plan, or you're in year one of a five year plan, or you are year four and a half of a five year plan? It's very important that you, as the leader, know exactly what your environment is, what you want your environment to be, what you want it to grow into, what you need it to multiply in. So then you know how to align and place your team members. You'll know what to interview for. You'll know what you need. You'll know um, what, what kind of skill set you need at this time. You know, if you're thinking about doing something different, then you have to define what that different is. So then you can hire accordingly and then you can not miss time and not miss moments and not lose momentum and get out of rhythm because now you have to go back and deal with bad hires. And that's sometimes that's tough, you know, when we have to deal with bad hires. But but as someone said, I've heard businessmen say this time and time again, um, be slow to hire and quick to fire. Be slow to hire and quick to fire. And so that you can, (laughs) I know that sounds kind of tough, but you don't have time to waste trying to figure out, you know, what's going to be the best fit every season. Every few months, you're going through the same thing with your staff, trying to figure out your environment, trying to figure out your culture. You, You deal with this every season. You deal with this every six months or every quarter or every other year. So you have to look at those patterns and look at those things that you put in place and and go back and readdress it and say, hey, this is what we need. I'm clear about that. And this is who we need. This is what we need. And then this is what we need them to do. The clearer and the more defined uh, your expectations are, then you will be able to hire or align or place uh, the right personnel. And, and then get on sync so much faster and so much quicker, it, you know, so you can have a healthy environment. And so I, I, I hope that, you know, when you hear this, you know, you can take time to reassess some things and also, you know, be willing to say, you know, I think I may have missed it on this, but now I see how I can correct it. Let me let it start with me. Let me define it. Let me make sure I'm clear. And then let me make sure that I'm doing the right placement and bringing the right people along and and understanding where the phase of the vision is for the ministry or the marketplace. I now know where it is and where it needs to be, and then continuously move forward in that direction. And I'm sure you're going to be okay. You may have some challenges from time to time, but you're going to be just fine. That I'm sure of. So make sure you define your environment and build properly and align the right people to it so that it can be healthy and successful and that you're not all over the place, but you're accurate in what you're doing and your work will glorify God and you will be successful in what you, in your heart you've been wanting to do. You're going to be just fine. I believe in you. So that right there brings a the conclusion to another Kenneth K. Law Life and Leadership show. I hope that I get to see many, hope to hear and again or share another show with you real soon. So until then, continuously be blessed and be successful. Keep your eyes on the prize and know that the Lord is with you. You're going to be just fine. God bless. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Kenneth K. Law Life and Leadership. Stay tuned for future episodes or you can connect with Kenneth K. Law at kenneth-k-law.mykajabi.com That's kenneth-k-law.mykajabi Kajabi is k-a-j-a-b-i dot com